0: <clears throat> Welcome to blogtalkradio.com slash little the Bar the show that talks about professionalism in the real estate industry. As always, my name is Michael McClure, and today I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the wonderful Todd Waller. Say hello, Todd.
1: Hello, Todd. <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist Mike every time.
0: Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the lovely Maya Pavezza. How are you, Maya?
2: I'm good. How are you, sir?
0: I am doing well, and uh, I'd like to say uh, good afternoon to the people on the East Coast and good morning to those on the West Coast joining us today. Um, we have a great uh, guest today, Mr. Mark Davison of Thousand Watt Consulting will be coming on in about ten minutes. And uh, before we bring Mark on, there's just a couple things you want to talk about quickly. The first is you know one of the things you want to do with the with the blog talk radio show um, specifically with respect to raising the bar in real estate, is to um, have guests and uh, come on and talk about ideas of things that we can all do in this profession to increase our professionalism. And one of the things that we're doing at Professional One is something that we call the Chris Brogan Plan. Um, Todd, why don't you briefly summarize what that is for the listeners?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, For those familiar, Chris Brogan did a um, uh, recently released a book, uh, Trust Agents, Uh, but also has a a wonderful uh, blog, almost a stream of consciousness when it comes to social networking and and how to connect with uh, clients and and, um, uh, fellow industry peers. And so he recently, uh, say a month or so ago, put out a post about what he would do if he were a real estate agent. Um, And suffice it to say, it was a a pretty decent list of things that are a step or two above uh, what most agents right now that are probably listening to this are doing, or maybe you're doing some of it already. The neat part was that uh, Chris laid out getting hyper-local, hyper-local content and doing what we as realtors, uh, frankly, do best. We get in front of people we uh, talk with them assess what they've got going on they assess who we are as professionals in the real estate industry uh, and then we take the step uh, further uh, with what Chris is laying out the idea is that um, the hyper local content starts with maybe reviews of local business establishments so here in beautiful uh, Plymouth Michigan uh, Mike and I are endeavoring to uh, talk with the business owners in the area and uh, we are going to be setting up uh, individual pages and posts on our own uh, real estate site highlighting some of our favorite businesses down here. Again, nothing is expected in return. There's no reciprocity necessary. The aim is to point blank go to the local corner coffee shop or the local bookstore, interview the owner, maybe interview a patron uh, with video, and then come back to the computer, bang out a post and a page or two, and then drive a a little bit of traffic across there and see uh, what kind of goodwill is, is built up from that. It does two things, obviously, right? One is goodwill on behalf of the business owner because, hey, we're getting some traffic and some notoriety for their business right there without any expectation of anything in return. And number two, we're establishing our site as a resource for uh, community information. So if you want to know what's happening in Plymouth, Michigan, hey, come right on by. We're going to have a fully fleshed out uh, site here in the not-too-distant future that it will show you. Here's what's coming up in the spring, the summer, and the fall, and next winter in addition to providing all of the real estate resources, we're providing community information and becoming a, a community resource for our community. So that's, that's and what, what uh, we're picking up and what we're running with.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I would add to that, Todd, and thank you, that's a, a very nice summarization, is that Todd and I frequent a Starbucks that's about a block from our office, and I'll skip the story about why we put our office a block from a Starbucks because we actually did <laughs> that on purpose. Um, but we... We're in there um, a couple times a day, and the the bar, I, I never know how to pronounce it barista barista. I'm not sure what the term is, but there's barista. some barista, some barista. baristas, uh,
3: <laughs> however
0: it's pronounced. The people that serve the coffee in there. um... We've talked to them about what we're going to do. We're actually going to shoot some short video clips of some of the employees, and it's funny because Todd has a camera that's being supposed to be delivered today or tomorrow or yesterday or whatever it was, and the people in there have literally said well when are you going to shoot the video you said you were going to shoot video when are you going to shoot the video it's kind of funny because i really didn't think that people and again this is just one little example but i didn't think people would react to it like they are which reminds me um our guest today mark davidson his son shot a video of their hometown um driving around and kind of talking about some of the highlights and mark put out a tweet about that this is a while ago a couple months ago and i recall clicking on it and watching the video and and thinking you know this was a little bit of the precursor to what we're doing now um, of just leveraging the technology as best we can to you know to increase our profile and we're excited about it we think it's going to work um... another just a brief point before we bring mark on last week we had stefan swainpool on the air for those of you who listened and know that uh, uh, always a very engaging, um, interesting individual, and if you didn't hear that broadcast, you can click on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash raise the bar, and there's a link back to that because he really had some great observations that I would uh, encourage any of you out there to, uh, to to listen in on. Anything new with you, Maya? Are you still there?
2: I'm here, I think. Am I here? Uh-huh. Did
0: you make the phone transition? I didn't know if you I were switching did. from style to home. <laughs>
2: I did, I did make it the transition, yeah, no, just uh I've just been really busy actually we um on the topic of professionalism, um our office actually did a focus group today where we brought an attorney in and kind of went over our local contract and talked about negotiations techniques and kind of um it was interesting because it sort of became a raise the bar discussion of how we can all make each other better, working together and helping newer agents or agents don't, don't understand the contract and interpreting it properly and uh, educating our clients, too. So um, that was an interesting experience, but I've just been busy with, um, you know, working social media and a bunch of things going on right now. So
0: Do you feel, um, do you feel that there is a, a, a natural raising of the bar going on in your world? And if so, are you making that happen or do you think it's happening um, organically?
2: Um, or is it not happening at all? I think that I think that I'm seeing it happening organically. Um but, you know, at the same time it actually reminds me I just made contact with somebody in my congressman's office to sort of discuss with them whether or not there's anything that could be done in a legislative capacity and get some of their thoughts on the process. But um, I think it's organic. Uh, It may be that it was already going on, but we also have a new president to our board, um, of our local board of realtors, whose position is we need to be more professional. We need to police ourselves. So I think with a new, um, I'm not going to say regime, but – you know, new leadership, everything changes and everything evolves, but um, I think that it it may be that I'm just more acutely aware of it now than I was before.
0: That's a good point, because I know that human perception being what it is, we tend to see the things we're looking for, and I often wonder, you know, do I see more of evidence of RTB because I'm looking for it, or is it really happening? That's why I ask you the question, but... Um, I think it 's great. I know you had that that interaction with the Governor of Delaware recently, and I know you you and i've had a lot of conversations about things that can be done, so I just want to say one more time for the record how much I appreciate what you 're doing in your part of the world to help raise the bar um Having said those things, I believe Mark is uh in queue waiting to come on, and I wanted to um again just give people i don 't want to i 't want to give mark 's total bio i 'd actually like for him to give a little bit of it himself because he has such a diverse an interesting background spanning several industries that I don't want to steal his thunder, but I would like to say that um, from, a, from a personal perspective, I have become a huge fan of Mark Davison and of Thousand Watt Consulting. Uh, they've got a great blog. In fact, r- Mark wrote a post yesterday, which we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, but he is he's a guy who um, is just, when I think of Mark, I think of the word candor. I think he speaks the truth. Uh, in an unadulterated, honest fashion, and I, I, I for one, laud that, and um, I'm just happy that he's agreed to come on and talk with us. So, a little bit about Thousand Watt Consulting. Um, they're a full-service interactive marketing communications and design agency with a unique emphasis on real estate. Um, they work with real estate brokerages, media companies, tech companies, and MLSs to strengthen their brands, improve their marketing, and out-innovate their competitors. So, um um Todd, if you wouldn't mind seeing if Mark's there, bring him on, and uh, we can welcome Mark to the air.
1: Uh, Mark, you there? Yeah, Todd. Hey, hey Mark, you. how are you? Hey, guys, how are you?
0: Great, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing well, thanks. Well, to Thank have
0: you with us. Yes.
3: Pleasure to be here. It sounds like a lot of cool things happening in your neck of the woods.
0: Well, we're, you know, we're trying, and uh, I, I don't know uh, how much we're accomplishing, but certainly the, the effort is there. And as I, second, I said a second ago, Mark, if, if you wouldn't mind uh, giving the listeners a, a brief biographical sketch about you, because you have, there's just so much that I could say about you, and I, I don't want to choose the words when you probably could do a better job. Would you mind doing that?
3: Sure. Uh, you know, in, in just a nutshell, um, I sort of cut my teeth at uh, Young and Rubicam, which is an ad agency in Manhattan. <coughs> I'm working on several... Uh, international brands, and I left after about a year and a half and started my own company, and uh, we ended up specializing in building brands within the music industry, so we worked with record labels and celebrity artists, and uh, we got into managing their career, doing their PR, and basically managing and building and maintaining their, their brands. Um, I retired in 1997, and uh, sold my company and moved out to California. And just by some quirk, by some accident, I ended up in real estate. Um, And uh, uh, I'll try to tell that real short. Uh, I bought a home, and i never heard of a home inspection before. And while it was getting inspected, I was blown away by the process. And I thought, if I didn't know about it, there's got to be tons of people who don't know about it either. So I made the home inspector a deal, which was uh, if I could get him a syndicated column, which turned out was something that he really wanted to do, um, I said, give me a week to do it. I'll get you syndicated in a couple of newspapers, and you tear up my check for the home inspection. So in about 24 hours, I designed a logo, built a little brand around him called Inspectors in the House, wrote about 15, 20 questions came up with some answers, which I had him, you know, perfect to make sure that they're accurate, packaged it up, overnighted it to about 20 different newspapers, and by the end of the week, I had him in five papers. Um, So we tore up the check, but wouldn't let me go, so about, within a year, I had him in about 400 newspapers, which prompted a call from Inman News, this was 1998, Mm. at the time Inman was emerging as a syndicate, as a syndication house for real estate content. And, um, somehow I managed to single handedly out, just outsell the amount of, um, uh, destinations that I was placing content in. So, uh, a few phone calls later, I I ended up taking in on as a client and worked with them for about four years doing biz dev and helping build their brand. And uh, I found real estate to be just a real fascinating industry that needed some help. So that's how I got into
0: the industry. Well, that's a fascinating story. And I know, and I don't mean to, to edit what you've said there, but there's a lot more to your story that I, I'd like to just mention, if you wouldn't mind. Um, the fact that you attended Princeton, you graduated from NYU, um, uh, you already mentioned the Endman experience. But I just, uh, you know, we spoke once before at LinkedIn, I was just fascinated with your background in the music industry and all that. But how did you get into brand building specifically?
3: I think it 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 came my, as my memory recollects I was working on a palm olive campaign um, and you know the instructions at the time were to just write the, the way the ads needed to be written um, was more about building and and extending the brand' qualities of palm Um and this was during a, an interesting time in advertising when
1: you know, for a long
3: period of time, ads were designed to basically sell a product, um, and sometimes they would weave wonderful stories around the product that weren't necessarily true. If you think about a lot of the cigarette ads that took place and the imagery created around people who smoke, which was not a reality. Right. Um, you know, there was there was a sort cer- a certain change in 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 the way the audience was connecting with advertising and the way advertising was being. Uh, written and I think the first commercial that really impacted me was and, and I've referred to this several times was the Mean Joe Green Coca-Cola commercial. Do you remember yep. that, that? The jersey
0: of? and yeah, the jersey thrown to the kid.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah where the kid gives him a bottle of Coke and you know that whole emotional play um, really was was really clever. You know, Coke wasn't selling the product; it was selling something bigger and and and, and, and better than the product. Um, And that's, you know, that falls under the category of branding, but it's, it's something I, you know, I worked on as a, as a school project in my last year, I had to create an, uh, a company and basically build all the brand components around it. So it it was, it was something that was near and dear to my sensibilities rather than just writing hyperbole, um, and throwing it out as just, you know, callous advertising.
0: Interesting. Um, fast forwarding to the here and now and our RTB conversation, um, Before we get into some of the particulars that I want to talk about or that we want to talk about regarding some things that have appeared in some of the blogs, uh, the blog posts that have come out of thousandwattconsulting.com, what is your just kind of a broad um, statement about this RTB effort in general? Do you believe in it? Do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea? Uh, Is it something that you think might lead to some substantial you know, realistic change or is it all just kind of a waste of everyone's time? What's your What's your take on the whole thing? Well
2: I mean,
3: my take would be um, generally speaking, I think that raising the bar on and just about anything that we do in our lives, whether it's our career or personal life, um, how, could you, how could you not be interested in raising the bar? I mean it's, especially in real estate where the bar has been set so low, I think it's, uh, it's an outright imperative for anybody involved in, the, in this industry.
2: To want to
3: raise the bar, I'm certainly um, all about that. I've been writing about it for years and years. Excuse me, but I think it's just a general way to live your life is to just constantly raise your bar.
0: Absolutely, Um, and I know that you know we when you and I communicated before, you made uh, comments to the effect that. there's i don't and, and now I'm paraphrasing you didn't say this exactly but my take on what you said was something to the effect that you know, there's it's going to be difficult to make real changes in real estate in part because I think of inertia and its size and a lot of bad habits um, and that kind of leads into a blog post that you wrote yesterday which i personally loved um uh, the timing of it of course was divine and much of what you said in it i mean i agreed with all of it um i tweeted i retweeted it But within that post, and the post I'm referring to is, of course, was entitled, A Pulse, a Passing Grade, and a Business Card. Um, (laughs) Great title, by the way. Uh, But within that post, there was a, a couple things that jumped out at me. One was you wrote this, Yelp requires a college degree and a year in sales to sell web ads to restaurants. Of course, the point you were making is that if Yelp requires a college degree and a year in in sales to sell web ads to restaurants, then certainly it would be reasonable for real estate to reconsider its requirements. Is that a fair summation of what you were saying?
3: You would think, yeah. That's very fair.
0: And that being said, um, why don't you give the people who haven't read the post just sort of a, a thumbnail sketch of what your other points were?
3: Well, you know, just just to put that into perspective, um, what is the context by which I wrote that post had to do with my fantasy brokerage. Um, I was asked at a dinner, I was having dinner with a client. I was back on the East Coast uh, not too long ago, and he asked me what I would do if I had my own brokerage. So. The answers that I gave him and what I wrote about in that article really had to do with what I would do if I ran my own brokerage. It's not necessarily what I feel is, is something that the industry necessarily needs to do because I think you know you could come from all walks of life and turn your you know create career and do whatever you know create success and do whatever you need to do to, to make a living. There shouldn't be necessarily industry-wide restrictions on on that per se this really had to do with what i was looking for in terms of qualifications for myself and within my own company um mm-hmm. and i do realize that it, it is really easy to become a, a real estate agent and that there is a hue and cry from even professional agents within the industry who would like to see the bar raise in terms of qualifications coming in
1: um
3: so i'm definitely for that for sure but you know just to to be on point this this that particular post had, had everything to do with what I would personally do or the kinds of people that I would hire or bring on as realtors if I had my own firm.
0: Okay. And so reading between the lines a little bit on how you're articulating that is or, or let, me, let me ask it this way. Right. Why would, why would there, there be a divergence between what you think you would do in your own company if you had a brokerage and what you would recommend the industry do itself?
3: Um. Because I, I guess maybe I don't know that in, that, it, I think the in, as an industry its job is to sort of create opportunity for people to come in and, and make a living within it. If you create restrictions that would impede people from all walks of life or, or, or with various different educational backgrounds to not be able to get into the industry I don't think that would be fair. Um, I also think that there are And it has been pointed out by many of the comments that there are some splendid real estate agents who didn't even graduate high school that are really successful. Uh, I don't don't tie an education with success. Um, I sort of tie education to different types of sensibilities and behavioral patterns that I would need to run my own brokerage. Um, So for instance, And, again, not the stereotype, guys, but um, Mm -hmm. if you take, you know, and I've spoken, I've done so many speaking engagements at brokerages over the years. You know, I've probably spoken to tens of thousands of agents. um, And I've met with so many brokers who would share with me their issues regarding their their team. Um, What I am not looking for in my fantasy brokerage is the maverick. It's the agent that does whatever they want to do. that that doesn't tie themselves down to standards, rules, or policies. They kind of fly by the seat of their pants. They don't necessarily read news in the morning or read news in the afternoon or read news in the evening. They're not necessarily up-to-date on every latest tool and technology. Um, They don't necessarily confine themselves to the brand standards of the brokerage. You know, essentially, they just do whatever they want. That's not the kind of agent I want. Nevertheless, many of those folks end up becoming very successful. But for me to run the kind of brokerage that I would need to run, and again, I'm not planning to start a brokerage, and I'm not a broker, but in, in answer to the question, what I would be looking for, I'd be looking for different types of people, and I find they tend to come out of, out of uh, a degreed situations where they, they, more, they more or less understand the rules, policies, and regulations of a corporate environment, and they work towards building a culture rather than disenfranchise from it. Um, so, I, again, I think that the industry should should tighten some things up so we don't have a lot of people... We don't have as many people as we have running around with really loose moral agendas, but I think in terms of a brokerage, a brokerage should be, you know, entitled to even raise its bar even higher than the industry calls for.
0: Yeah, and in fact, um, well, I want to I wanna say two things in response to what you just said. One is... While I completely hear what you're saying and, and I completely hear what many have said and continue to say regarding this thought that you don't have to have an education to be great in real estate, um, I could put together a list of you know a good number, let's say 20 agents that I've dealt with over the years who are really good agents who don't have an education. I respect those people, more power to them. I have nothing against them whatsoever. However, just because that's true doesn't mean that there isn't nonetheless value in having an educational requirement um, for a variety of reasons. And I don't think that the exception disproves the rule. So just because you have some number of people who are great without an education, that we should then, you know, have no have no standard or no barrier to entry because there's a lot of people who don't have education who are lousy. Just as there are also a lot of people who have education who are lousy, but I personally think that the ratios are different, but I don't want to be argumentative, and I'm not being argumentative with you. I'm just speaking generically to the variety of people that I've discussed this issue with. Um, secondly, regarding you know standards for an individual brokerage, that's something that we are trying to deal with right now as a company. And, Todd, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. I want you to just give a 60-second summation of the things we're struggling with as we have this conversation.
1: Yep, yep. Internally what we're doing here in uh, Plymouth is we are uh, pulling together um we're pulling together some standards. We're we're making it, we're putting our stake in the ground and saying, "Okay, this is what we want the internal makeup of our our company to look like." And uh, we are our uh, Mike and I are, are actively going back and forth saying, "Should we do this? What about this particular standard? How about performance? What about this?" So we're trying to come at it from all angles to establish the internal structure, if you will, for our brokerage, and then in addition to that, uh, we'll be um, very shortly here going into our community and asking their, uh, the community, the real estate consumers, uh, spin. You know, what what is it that they are looking for? What is it that they are perceiving with regards to the real estate industry uh, specific to our marketplace, so that we can uh, uh, cater directly to that? But it's it's a it's a constant struggle. It's a constant battle internally. What about this? What about that issue? Should we have this bar? Should we have that bar? And it's uh, it's not an easy process, that's for sure.
0: No, it isn't so, because again, all the all the all the levers, if you will, that we're, we're playing around with are the same ones everyone would think of, of course. Which are: do we have an educational requirement? Do we have an experience requirement? Do we have right. a sales requirement? I know Jim Duncan, who was on our show a couple weeks ago, um, works at a company I believe it's called Nest Realty, and their their requirement is that you have to be a broker you can't get in the company unless you're a broker and i guess you know i think that's a good idea um although you know that kind of leads into a next thing i wanted to discuss with you mark is the um your partner and forgive me if i mispronounce his last name brian barrow Barrero? bow arrow um Bo-ero. he wrote he wrote a he wrote a piece um that i uh, actually wrote a blog post about yesterday i i let off with the same intro he had And basically, the point he was making, the lead comment was, and I'll never forget this, in real estate, stupid scales. And, you know, so many of the brokerages and companies don't have any standard. And, you know, I I hearken back to something I've seen that just, you know, it's an image I can't get out of my mind, which is watching brokers stand outside of the test-taking facility where people take the real estate exam passing out brochures to whoever walks out the door.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Stop for effect. I mean, it's just like, if you want to talk about any warm body, there's your proof. Um, but he, he made that comment about stupid scaling, and, and again, I ask you for your opinion of, of what he wrote, and why don't, you, why don't you tell me, tell the listeners what you told me in response. Well,
3: you know, first of all, I, I think Ryan is an amazing writer and a, an amazing thinker. Um, mm-hmm. Agree. And, um, in fact, he was the guy that brought me on at Inman back in 1998. And so we've been working together and sharing thoughts and ideas for all this time. Um, so while Thousand Watt Blog is written by now three people, including Joe Burslam, who joined our firm uh, back mm-hmm. in January, it, it's, it's unique, I guess, in that each of us who write well, we individually sign our names to our blog posts, uh, first and foremost, we view our readership in, in two categories. One is our clients, because that's really how it started. Um, we use the blog to basically publish content to our clients to continue to provide them ongoing information so, so as you know in, in lieu of having calls with them every day. Um, and then the readership has grown somewhat. The blog's purpose is still the same to basically share. Thousand watts sensibilities with whoever reads our stuff. So we're not, we don't take independent, we don't have independent agendas. It's not like uh,
4: some of the other group
3: blogs where they're just publishing platforms and everybody's got their own individual agenda. The thousand watt agenda is really to push that the way we think. So there's an absolute consensus across the board internally that what we're publishing, we're all in agreement with, we discuss what we write about. We have editorial meetings. I mean, we take it very seriously. So, yeah, I agree with everything, of course, that Brian said. I'm sure vice versa.
0: So, so you agree that stupid scales... <laughs> well,
3: well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the proliferation of certain vendor groups that sell remarkably poor products, um, they've done a really good job selling really crappy stuff to people who don't know better. Um, and... You know, there's actually, you know, not to get deep into theories or conspiracies because there are none per se. It's just the way real estate is. But um, across the board, the less qualified, um, less intelligent, less aware uh, the realtor is, the more beneficial it is for a lot of the, um, the people who make money from them. You know, Chris Berg often says that Real estate agents are, are like plankton, which is very true. I mean, if you think about the dozens and dozens and dozens of entities that feed off a realtor's money, you realize that the real estate agent is the most important and you know, a life-giving resource within the industry. But there are so many people who are just taking from them. I think and, I need to um, cut
2: my advertising budget. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, but I mean, there's just so many so many entities that make money from what the real estate agent does, and but there's a lot of people who know it's easy to take money from them. And you know, you turn on a little charm, a little charisma, um, you make a good sales pitch, and boom, you can sell product. And it's hap- It's been happening. I mean, that's what I noticed when I first got into real estate. It was, it was unbelievable. I, I will call the story to you guys. I was back in New York, and I was thinking about moving to California, and I was doing searches on the web. It's 1997. So, you know, try to take yourself back to, to what the web must have been like then. You could barely acquire listing information. Nobody had – there was no such thing as Flickr or anything like that, so there were no photos of anywhere. But the one thing that I came upon was a, a, a newsletter that appeared on an agent's website, and I subscribed to it. Um, as I, I subscribed to their newsletter. But as I continued to search within a community – I kept noticing that every agent had the same exact newsletter, and it was called their newsletter, but it was the same exact newsletter. Um, And the one thing that that newsletter had on it was uh, a link that allowed me to find other agents in their area, which I found that astounding, that agents would actually put competitors on their own newsletter, which wasn't even their newsletter. I learned later on that that was a Realty Times newsletter, and None of the content was original. It was all boilerplate. It was the same content written whether you're in Plymouth or whether you're in Miami. And I found that to be just unbelievably bad for advertising, for branding, for for reputation. And this was 1997. So I had not even thought about getting into real estate then. I was just looking to sell my house in New York and move to a place that had no humidity.
0: (laughs) And you found it.
3: And I found it. But, you know, I, I still remember this, that, you know, how does a product like that sell? How does somebody like that sell that to a real estate agent who's looking to build community and build relationships? Now, we're so blessed today to, to have things like social media where agents can take control of their own messaging and broadcasting and marketing. But there are still products that are being peddled today that are, you know, detrimental to an agent's business and reputation. And But, you know, like Brian said, it's stupid scales and um, – the knuckleheads that are creating products for these agents. Um, the warning is that you better smarten up your products and do better because the agent population is getting smarter, they're getting more savvy, and they're getting more control.
0: Well, it's interesting because you, I think you said the story you just told was from 1997, if I heard you correctly. 1997. Um, 1997- well, it's interesting because I have two mortgage people right now that send me um a newsletter that is identical. They they both send me the same newsletter word for word, and it's interesting because the you know the statement that that makes to me about them is so negative, and I these are both people that I've known for years and really like and trust and respect, but it's interesting that the fact that they're not Aware enough is my take on it to understand that they're sending me a boilerplated product that one of their competitors might also be sending me. It's just uh, it's interesting to me that here we're talking what 13 years later and the same kind of a product still exists. And there's no doubt about that. You're correct in what you say that there are so many bad products out there. And it's you know I I stopped reading, um, I, I stopped reading the 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 myriad of emails that I receive with all these various real estate related products, some of which might actually be good. But I have built up such a, a, you know such a wall, I've become so jaded that I don't even read anymore. I think that that, that same thought applies to so many things. Um, you, also, Mar- you also, Mark, just kind of opened the door to the next topic I wanted to talk about, that being social media. You wrote another blog post which had another awesome title, which was four square and five years ago when you're talking about the evolution of blogging and, and the, the metamorphosis from blogging into Twitter, etc. Um, why don't you summarize for the listeners what the gist of that post was, if you wouldn't mind?
3: Yeah, I think they were, looking back on that post, there were like several gists. Um, and it actually took me a considerable amount of time uh, to, to sort of weave all the gists together. Um, so it, Initially, I was just sort of recalling uh, the emergence of blogging in real estate. Um, you know what happened? Somebody asked me if I can rattle off a dozen great blog posts or blogs that, people, that somebody could subscribe to and I couldn't. Um, and I thought back to the very first blog that I became aware of in real estate, which was Range City Guide, and how it really was even then. Just a, it was a great blog, and it still is a great blog, and it still provides, it creates business opportunities for the people who write for it, um, but its focus was also not, it wasn't all about real estate. It was about life in Seattle, um, and I tried to find examples of blogs that had come since then that so that of you know, took what they created and, and, and took it to the next level. And I really couldn't. Um, and then I also started realizing that the amount of blogs that are being written today have diminished over the years. Um, so which got into the second gist. So the first gist being blogging has really not taken off all that well in real estate. It's been five years and we don't have hundreds of great blogs. Um,
0: How many great blogs do you think we have now?
3: I don't know. Um,
0: Less than Ten?
3: I'd say for me it would be less than 10, but I wouldn't say that for anyone else. I mean, I I was asked what I could come up with and I couldn't. Um, But somebody else, I mean, you guys might have 20 or 30 that you love. I just, I'm not aware of maybe a half a dozen that I think are really quality. Um, The rest are either dialing it in or they just stop blogging, because it was, which brought me to the next gist, which was blogging is, is, is hard to do. It's not easy. You're just not sitting down and banging out 500 words. It's, there needs to be a theme. I mean, the way I look at it, again, because I come from the world of building brand, and, and everything you do is a spoke back to the hub. So if you don't have a defined hub, then your spokes are all going to be mangled and, and distorted. <clears throat> so in an effort to create a perfect blog publication, you kind of need to have an agenda. You know, what are the two or three main topics that you're going to consistently write about over and over again? Um, It's what's made, you know, everything from Marie Claire magazine to Life magazine and Newsweek, you know, the the well-known publications that they are, you can count on them for each publication having pretty much the same type of content. Um, So that gets really hard to do if you haven't thought about it, but if you thought about it, it it gets hard to do to keep coming up with content across those categories. Um, So realizing how arduous blogging is, you know, as social media moved into microblogging, where you can sum up what you're thinking in 140 characters, it became a whole lot easier for agents to move beyond blogging, just start twittering or posting images and, and posts on Facebook. Um, and my second gist then was just taking a just a large global look at what's being published from real estate, and it just just looking at it from 5,000 feet up, it was just a lot of noise. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of worthy contribution to, to the public. So I realized that what's mostly going on, on these places is just back and forth, you know, dialogue between it's peer to peer and which raised the question, does all this stuff have to be public? Um, I just keep coming across things that I find so questionable, um, but I just like, wonder, are we are we misusing social media, uh, and are we not tapping into its greater potential?
0: And I think those are excellent observations, and my personal opinion is that this whole phenomenon is still in its sort of infancy stages, on, on you know, from a big picture perspective, and I know that my personal view of it has changed a little bit since I've started, and you know you you've been very diplomatic in in what you've said um you know you gave Blood an example <laughs>
4: you you gave a
0: and, and 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 you know i think again i one thing i love about you is your candor and, and i think you you said some things in that post about people talking about stuff that you just didn't think was really appropriate for the forum you know for, for very personal things drunken binges and tongue piercings and things of that nature and, you know, it's funny because I go back and forth on this, and I think we, this is a very personal issue for, for all of us. And I think if, you know, Maya, if you were to give your opinion um, on this and I were to give my opinion on this and, Todd, you were to give your opinion on this, they'd all be a little bit different.
2: Yeah, but and the, the, you're right, Mike, but I one of the things I do recommend and what people may not realize is I have a plan and I have a strategy. And I, I completely agreed with a lot of things that Mark said, and I'm not going to say I didn't think about, am I possibly one of those people that, yeah, absolutely, I'm one of those people. There are certain things, and, and when, when I was reading it, I was like, okay, there is a client I need to call right now. So, But, you know, I, I, I have a strategy. I think we all have strategies, and Mark has very valid points on it, though.
0: Yeah, but and I... But I want
3: to be clear, too, that I've, I've myself... Made mistakes. I go back and look at what I've published and, and I cringe and I think, Jesus, mm-hmm. this is the one because you know what happens? Google Alerts sends you in the morning, yeah, that's mm-hmm. your yeah. name, and it always seems to find the one dumb post that I posted on Twitter and nothing else, that, <laughs> you know, so like I'm because it was retweeted somebody,
2: 20 times. <laughs> I know,
3: so if, if somebody else is doing that, if they're checking my reputation, maybe there's a client that's thinking about hiring me. I mean what, it would behoove anybody out there to go to LinkedIn to look at your career background it would behoove anybody to go and look at your what you've posted on Twitter and Facebook lately and to put your name in google alerts and if that's the one thing that's come across you know the one silly thing you said it just it sort of heightens it heightens my attention to you know, and, and just for the record, I mean, I'm not a stuck in the mud. I'm 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 a pretty laid back guy <laughs> offline. For things that I talk about with my buddies that I would never want public, um, but I think that I'm able to sort of draw the. I can censor myself. I'm I'm getting better at censoring myself with what I put online because I know that any word, any syllable, anything, even a misspelled word, can come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know what? What I'm sorry, Todd. You know, Mark, one of the one of the, the commonalities I, I know intrinsically that you and I share um, goes back to um, that that image, the the control of the image, so to speak, that goes out to Google. I mean, it's got a big, big memory. It's worse than an elephant. And um, I remember having a conversation years ago in a former life running campaigns where somebody made the comment, "Well, if you're going to run for office, you got to have some skeletons in your closet because nobody would believe." that you're as pure as the wind-driven snow. And that statement has haunted me these years. Um, I mean, part of my claim to fame, if you will, in this marketplace is I go to my closings in the talks. Black-tie Todd, that's me. That's my thing. And somebody in my marketplace made the comment, well, you can't back that up, so that's probably why you don't get scads and scads of business because nobody believes that you could be that professional. You give the image, but do you really back it up? And again, talk with my clients and they'll 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 tell you the good, bad and the ugly. But I get that. I mean, and there's there's part of me that says, Yeah, you know what, maybe I'm going a little heavy on the blips this particular month or something along those lines. But from my standpoint, from my marketing for Todd Waller, hey, Todd's a guy. It's a person. And it's not just some automaton or some robot out there, so to speak.
2: <laughs> I dare somebody to go back forty thousand tweets on me. Yeah. <laughs> well you know it's funny.
0: It's funny. It's funny because I attempted to do research in preparation for our last show with Swainpool, and he and I had had a number of exchanges back in August and September that I wanted to quote verbatim. And I went back, and I couldn't find them. And I'm wondering uh, if – I mean, is this stuff truly permanent, or does, does it get deleted after a certain period of time? Does anybody really know? I've been operating under the assumption that it was permanent.
2: Well, a year ago I was able to crawl back all the way, but I haven't tried, and I wouldn't right now. And I I would
1: hazard a guess that we need to operate under the – it's always going to be out there. Uh
2: Uh-huh. It's there forever. (laughs) Well, you also
3: need to operate under the guise that at any given moment in time what you write shows up on somebody's tweet deck. Mm -hmm. And um, we're all following numerous people, and at any given moment in time I I could be looking at my tweet deck and see a post that – A, grabs me strongly for its valuable content, and I will immediately click on a link or go check out a resource and and follow that person immediately. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how many times that I've actually had to just unfollow because what I feel like I'm being caught up in is just an endless stream of where they are or Mm -hmm. private conversation between them and and one other person. And it seems to me to be almost borderline too intimate for me to even be distracted by
2: no, Mark doesn't and I... follow me. did <laughs>
3: you say Maya, do I not
2: follow No, under that assumption I would assume you don't follow me, which is <laughs>
3: I don't you know, I don't know if I do or if I don't. I do not I e I don't I don't And I know I follow like six, seven, eight hundred
2: people. Um Oh, you're not required to, it's a joke, don't worry about that. Uh... <laughs> I don't take that kind of thing personally.
0: Well, you know, this whole issue to me is so fascinating because I have, I'm all over the board personally, you know, I go from, and it's because my personality is like that. I mean, I I, I did stand-up comedy, I did improv, and now I'm building, you know, trying to build a real estate franchise, and I wear all these different hats that are very different people, and on any given day, I am 25 different people on Twitter, and I've, you know, I've thought a lot about that, and I don't you know in fact i thought a lot about it in the specific context of things that mark has written and i often feel as if i'm failing because i've been inconsistent in my message and you know i just i just think it's a fascinating topic because as i said before i think we all have different opinions on how it should go and i do think mark you make some great points about if you're trying to build a brand i think you kind of have to be true to that message and put out quantity content, or quality, sorry, didn't mean to say quantity, quality content, and I think that's really ultimately one of the big points you're making, and I I completely agree with it.
3: Well, one one just final statement on that is, you know, a brand is sort of the consumer's impression of who you are, Mm -hmm. And, and the strongest brands are the brands where unilaterally the consumers all have the same impression, you know, and I've asked people this, you know, most people don't own a Porsche, but can safely describe and express Porsche's value proposition almost equally across the board, whether you own one or not, um, and and both owners and non-owners pretty much can say the same thing about that car. So hence the Porsche brand is so strong. I think the, the, not the danger. I don't want to find a better word, but the, the, the caution that I would give for social media stuff is that. The context by which you're posting, um, and it requires a lot of control because at any given point in time, you, you are, you, you, it makes it hard for you to control what somebody is thinking about you based on your posting. And I'll give you an example. If you're out to dinner with your family and you're tweeting about what you're eating and you're, you've spent your whole two hours out with your family eating, um, twittering, what does that say about you? Well, to me it says that you really aren't paying much attention to your family and um, it may say other things to you guys. Uh, that may not be the case at all, but that's the problem with a Twitter-like thing, especially when you're just using it willy-nilly, is it's hard to sort of control the impressions that your posts give to people. <laughs> this, came, this happened um, a couple of weeks ago. I was at a hotel meeting with, um, two clients uh, a male and a female and I started thinking I wonder if I tweeted that I'm at a hotel and the woman tweeted that she was at the same hotel and the other guy was tweeting that he was at a hotel the same hotel what kind of impression might that give people who think I wonder what, what are the three of us doing together at a hotel
2: um, <laughs> that's what Foursquare was doing recently so yeah that's that's
3: scary you know, I mean, it, without the context of I'm at a hotel having a meeting discussing X, Y, and Z with a client, but I'm just here, I'm just there, It, it if you end up formulating, the public might end up formulating opinions about what you're doing, which is not necessarily what you're doing. And that's why I'm a little bit intense about it.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, Mark, because I I've, I have a prediction. And the prediction is that we're going through an, an age of innocence with regard to social media, where it's a big party and everybody get in and have fun and kind of say whatever you feel like saying, and it's all in good and fun and, you know, isn't social media awesome? This is, this is phase one. Phase two will be the, um, the coming to terms with the ramifications of that philosophy, which may end up biting some of us in the ass because of things just like you just described,
2: but it's and already I, happened with one guy who applied for a job at Google. I mean, that story's out there. He applied for the job and he said, "Uh, oh, you know, I, I'm not impressed, but the salary is good." And I think he tweeted it, uh, and cool. it got back to Google, and they didn't hire him.
0: Well, that's just stupid.
2: <laughs> I mean, Pretty just, much, no, but, but, Michael, but people that, do things so, like that every day.
3: I know. I see, what Maya is saying is really what I'm. What I'm focused on is that you know there, there are some sort of. Uh, Cheerleaders on Twitter who have, you know, who are sort of leading agents down a bizarre path of Twittering. And uh, there's a whole host of them. And, Guilty. You know, so it's, it's all, well, I, I don't know your particular, um, although I think I may have had some dialogue with you once, Maya. Um, yeah, we have. I we have. It, yeah, I recall it being, you know, good intellectual dialogue. But, you know, like for instance, at the Connect conference, there was so many tweets about being out all night drinking and waking up being inebriated and, and, and hungover, and I'm thinking if I'm if, I've got a, if I'm a seller, and I got my house my three million dollar house listed with my agent who is telling me they're going off to New York to get some education on technology, and I'm part of their Twitter feed and I see this guy or this gal is out all night drinking every single night. Um, it's. <laughs> I think that the silliness and, and the miseducation, so here's how I sort of think about it, and I could be dead wrong, but I think that if you're educated, uh, college educated, see, so it goes back to what I wrote last night. If you spent four years in college getting a degree, learning things, you might come out of that with a slightly more formidable understanding of marketing and communication, uh, possibly, than if you just discovered Twitter yesterday and got on it and start, you know, just going at it without any f- understanding of how this is really media. It's not, you know, we, social media connotates one thing, but I think of it as media. Mm-hmm. It is this amazing opportunity for us people to, to take the power away from the journalists and the reporters and the PR people and all the folks we've had to pay to tell our message to the world to now do it ourselves. So it's a wonderful tool, but, you know, it's very powerful. And with it, you know, comes sort of defaults and, and pitfalls and responsibilities.
0: Uh, good point. Um,
3: so, you know, yeah, I think we're coming into an age, guys, where it's and, – and Brian alluded to this um, – where I think real estate's coming through a cycle, and it's starting to realize that a lot of what it's been experimenting with um, – it's just not panning out the way they like it. So they've met all these people on social media. They've gone to, they have flying around the country. They've gone to all the park camps and you know, there's good camaraderie, but at the end of the day, they're not getting any business out of it. And the amount of time that they're spending doing it, um, might actually be better focused on going back to doing some good old traditional marketing stuff to, to, to get business to happen. Um, and then when they fuse that together with, some of the things that they're learning about that guys like Jay Thompson does, uh, where he fuses both traditional and, and progressive marketing, he's pulling eight, ten deals out of social media, and he's pulling many other deals from traditional, That there's a good smart balance.
0: Well, it's interesting because we had, um, I don't want to call it our first success because we've had other successes, but um, Todd and I had just the other day, we got two um, two referrals from an agent, that we've befriended via Twitter, and you know, I, to me, this whole this whole return on investment of real estate in in social media comes down to a, a, a mindset, which is: Are you running a marathon or are you running a sprint? And I think if you have the right long-term view, this is the kind of thing that I can't draw. And, I can't draw and have you understand what I'm trying to say. But basically, I'm I'm forming an arc with my hand, which is flat for a long time and then spikes up very severely. That's what I personally am anticipating is going to happen for the people that hang with social media over the long haul and, you know, prove themselves to be the subject matter experts in their markets on in, in the area of real estate. And I still believe that personally. Do you agree or disagree, Mark?
3: I do agree. And I think, you know, Maya, you alluded to this a little earlier. Um, if you take a strategic approach to social media and, and slice it into several categories. One is what you do to build brand and what you do to possibly lead generate.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that defines what you post, how you post, and where you post. Like I, I don't think that, you know, Thousand Watt, um, built, we built our entire business through social media. So while people tend to think that I'm very anti-social media, the thing is we've used it <laughs> entirely to build our business. Um, but I never looked at it as social media. I just look at it as media. It's the, it's the channels by which we build our brand, extend our brand, and also advertise. Uh, well,
1: Mark, if if I can jump in on that thought, I, I recall um, it may be a year or two ago that you and I connected – Um, online, but specifically with Facebook. I remember the interaction that you and I had. And I think this underlines your point about building your brand via social media, but you're doing it smartly uh, in the sense that when I sent the request to you via Facebook to, quote-unquote, become your friend, I put in there something about just closing social networking loops and want to make sure we're connected here because I'd like to see what you're doing here on Facebook. And your response, if you'll allow me, I thought was absolutely brilliant because it allowed you to establish the parameters of how you used Facebook for your own your own uh, marketing and your own branding. And it, your response was very simply, hey, I would love to do that, but I'd like to know more about you before I let you in, so to speak. And, you know, in retrospect, even at the time, I thought, that's actually pretty slick right there because you're building a brand um, and you're building your image online by utilizing Okay, I'm going to show you what I do here, but I want to know who you are too. So let's let's chat first before uh, before we open up each other's doors. I thought that was pretty slick, actually. And in
0: well, the end, know. he re- and in the end, he rejected you.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> flat out said, you know, you're just a flaming idiot, and you, know, <laughs> uh, you You give me a little
3: too much credit. I'm not sure I really knew what I was doing. Really, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure Facebook out, but I do know one thing that
2: it's instinctive, also, though, Mark. And you've got good instincts. Yep. yep. I, think, thank
3: you, Maya. I think if you do this long enough, you realize, like, you're also, you're also, you're known for who you associate with.
1: There you go.
3: And if, if I'm going to have, you know, people who are my quote-unquote friend under whatever social category or context that is, um, I want to be seen in a good, I want to be surrounded by good friends, good people, people who are doing mm-hmm. other things like me so that I'm in good company, um,
0: so, Mark, you clearly didn't do the requisite research before you agreed to come on this show.
2: Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's it's unbelievable to me, Mark, but we're down to three minutes left in this hour. It, I'm, I'm shocked at how quickly this time has passed. And, um, Todd, I believe you indicated that we have a gentleman who'd like to ask a question. Yeah, would,
3: yeah. I've would you entertain something. that,
0: Mark, please?
3: Hey, I guys, I ha- I ha- I'm having fun, and I have m- more time. So, yeah, sure. Cool.
1: Perfect. Okay.
3: All right. Okay.
1: Well, we've got uh, about two and a half minutes here to roll and I've got uh, Bill here. Let me see if I can bring Bill up without uh,
4: dropping everything.
2: B Love, quick question, baby, because we're going off the air.
1: That's it. Uh,
4: you ready you're ready for the question. There he is. Go, there. Okay, this is this is like really crucial. This is a whole social media thing. Uh Mark, if I get out to uh California in March, where are we going to lunch?
2: Nice. Okay, disconnect him uh, now. No, we
4: had we had two minutes. You know, we had two minutes. I love listening. I can listen to Mark Davidson all day long because what, what the man has forgotten about marketing, most people have yet to learn. And mm-hmm. to, his, to his point, the whole issue of social and media is really, um, it, it really is about marketing and using, using common sense. What you call instinctive is, is such learned responses on the part of Mark. So with a limited amount of time yet, I'll just sing his praises and say hi, Mark.
3: Hi, Bill. Well, if we if we were to go to lunch, we'd either we try Splash first, but if the line is too long, we'd go to Firestone Grill.
4: Okay, you, I'm I, I, I'm in. I'll let you know when I'm out. Hopefully in March.
2: I'll find you in okay, Philly, forward. Bill. Thanks Bill. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thanks,
4: Bill. Take care, guys.
2: Thank you, Bill. He's um, been waiting well, patiently. <laughs>
0: Well, Mark, um, again, we're down to just a little over a minute. Do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? And, again, if we run out of time before I can come back and say this, thank you for doing this. It's been a delight having you on the program. It was everything I hoped it would be. I hope, in the end, you feel the same way.
3: Oh, and, oh absolutely.
0: And um, please speak Speak now.
3: No, um, well, thank you guys very much. Uh, you know, I, I told you I don't do – I hardly do any interviews, and uh, you rarely see me even on a panel these days. Um, so after speaking with you, Michael, last uh, month, I think uh, I felt very comfortable about this opportunity. So thanks for having me.
4: And uh, for the listeners, I would
3: just say, <clears throat> read a lot, ask a lot of questions, don't take things on face value, um, and just make wiser
4: decisions.
0: Well, and I and I hope, Mark, that you. I, I mean, I, I know I don't need to say this, that you and your your um your peers, your partners at Thousand Watt, will continue to put out the quality um... thought-provoking commentary that you've been putting out since i've become aware of you and uh, i i wasn't at all facetious in what i said at the start of the show which is you guys really are my favorite blog look forward to um, everything you guys put out and um, i hope that you'll just continue to do what you do and maybe we can have a follow-up conversation on another one of these shows at some point in the future to see how the uh, whole rtb thing is going and i hope you'll keep weighing in on um on the topic because again i think you do bring to bear a lot of experience and perspective and insight that is wholly unique to you and again it's just been a privilege having you with us today so thank you i know I speak for
2: time.
0: thank you very much mark we wish you all the best and uh we'll we'll I'll be back with everyone else uh, very shortly thanks for listening have a great day
2: bye Bye-bye. bye 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 spider monkey.
1: Um,
2: hmm. 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 Chip, I'm gonna come at you like a star. Ah, some. Give me the Mountain Dew. Chip, I'm gonna jack up on Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. 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 Hello.
1: Hello. Cool beans.
2: I love it. Um, do we we I think we all need to have a conference call.
1: Yeah, we do. I think it was pretty good.
2: Damn good. Uh, Mark's awesome.
1: Uh yes he is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I tell you what, let me see what I can do to round up a bunch of folks here on a conference call. You, Mike and I, eh? Yeah, eh? Yeah, oh, hold on a second. Uh let's see, 302-992-0755. Okay. Um That's fine. give me a few moments. I'll try to wrangle that up here from the office.
2: Okay, sounds good, thanks, sir. Thanks, thanks, lady. Bye bye.